Bloody Elbow presents the sixth round post-fight show, which gives you an event rundown and full analysis of the bouts that took place on the current weekend's UFC event, complete with hot takes, possible next fights, and reactions to the overall card. Paid Bloody Elbow podcast Substack subscribers will hear bonus content, if available, at the end of the broadcast. Be sure to subscribe at bloodyelbow.substack.com for our newsletter and at bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com for our podcast network. Follow us on Twitter at Bloody Elbow, Facebook at facebook.com slash bloodyelbowblog, and as always, on bloodyelbow.com. Thanks for listening. Here are your Bloody Elbow fight analysts. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the sixth round post-fight show with me, Zane Simon, and my co-hosts, as always, Eddie Mercado. Coming to you all from the close of UFC Fight Night, Delidzi versus Imavov at the Apex facility in Las Vegas, Nevada. A facility so small you could practically hear Chris Curtis shouting uh, <laughs> angrily at at um, Nasadini Imavov between, between rounds. Um, which honestly was more exciting than a lot of this fight. I'm gonna just keep it a billion. There was some really slow moments in this. A lot of wall install. A lot of just jockeying for position and Zane Imavov. <laughs> Uh, yeah but yeah it was you know what it had a few entertaining moments sure sure i was not bored it certainly got nice and crazy enough when imavov landed that head kick on uh that illegal head kick which there are some internet sleuths out there who are claiming that it should not have been illegal it wasn't load bearing was it yeah, because Delizzi was up on his fingertips. Now, this is where I hope they change the rule because the rule is kind of bullshit. I will say, even in the freeze frames that I saw, the fingertips that Delizzi had on the ground, they, they, they were like firmly locked on the mat. I think he was putting weight on those fingertips on the mat it wasn't like they were brushing which is i think the intent of the load bearing but that's just a better argument to get rid of the hand altogether yeah it's it's uh i don't care like i'm glad he got kicked in the face no disrespect to the like yeah rules are rules but it's the dumbest rule ever yeah it's it, it, not it, respect the rule just it's now. the classic john mccarthy you know, John Jones comes out crouched and almost gets kicked in the head. And he's like, well, you're playing the game. So it is what it is. Like Delidzi is out there putting a hand down to make sure he doesn't get kicked. It's not the intent of the rule is so that if you're in a defenseless position, because you're trying to get up, somebody doesn't run up and bicycle kick you right in the teeth. That was the idea. Is it like, it's just silly. You should be able to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm all for it too. But it's it is you know it, it it should be one of those things where refs are should you know can be at their discretion to be like no I'm sorry if you're just trying to avoid a strike by having a hand down I don't care how firmly it's down it's not it, it's a legal strike you know yeah it's um it's shenanigans it's it shenanigans. is shenanigans yeah uh, but it, I mean it was an exciting moment and it was I think. The Lidze had the right spirit about the whole thing. Uh-huh. He, at no point was he looking for a way out. Yeah. I'm sure in his mind, he was like, oh, dude kicked me in the face when I was in a vulnerable position. I played yeah. the game and it didn't work out. Oh, well. He did get the point deducted. He got a point deducted and uh, they went right back to having the same fight they were already having. You know, the fight did not look. Well, the Lidze actually, he responded. He got fired up for a second. Yeah. A little hard. Yeah, you know, he, he did. He did show some urgency after that, but it, you're right. It quickly devolved back into just that jockeying for position against the clinch, which both guys seem content to be to do. Well, I think Dolite just he doesn't have the footwork or the anything. I've never seen a, a top fighter whose body moves so disjointedly and unfamiliarly at range as Dolite's does. <laughs> like it just doesn't nothing really leads to anything else. He doesn't have the movement standing to avoid getting the clinch. So for him, it's just like the fight's always going to be there if somebody wants it there. 
And for Amarov, he was just like, well, I don't have to deal with you wang and wild hooks at me if I'm in the clinch. And positionally, he could work Delidzi there every time he could get his back off the cage. Yeah, those knees to the body were brilliant. Uh, they were effective. They were doing damage. They were part of that sequence that actually dropped Delidze there in the first yeah. round. And argument could have been made that they could have stopped it right then and there. Yeah. I no, I mean, I would have been happier. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was. This is a weird thing. So I, I, I will get this out of the way. I put it out on Twitter, but since we're doing the show as well, I guess we should explain the scorecards, right? Because yes. they were. Weird. It was a draw. So one guy had it a draw. Yeah, it was 49-44, 47 uh, for Ema 47-47, and 48-46. None of which are the card that I had, the right one, which was 48-45 <laughs> Imavov, which would give Delidzi round two, which was just the most brutally boring, ugly round that Delidzi held him on the fence and Imovov didn't get off the fence. Right. And gave Imovov every other round, including a 10-8 round one and a 9-9 round four, where he lost a point and should have still won the round. That is exactly how I scored the fight, Zane. Yes. That is the the right score. Instead, what we got is 49-44, which means that uh, one judge, which is a fine, arguable score. It just means one judge gave Imovov every single round, including a 10-8 round one and a 9-9 round four. They didn't give Delidzi the round two, which he just held Imovov up against the cage. And okay, whatever. I don't care. It's a bad round. Right. Then you get the 47-47 which I have to assume, I haven't seen the scores myself, but I have to assume means that the judge gave Delidzi round two, which is fine, and round four, giving him a 10-8 round four, and then gave Imovov the other three rounds, making it 47-47, and did not give Imovov... A 10-8 round one, which... And and so that fourth round, right, What where the point was deducted, that would have been a 10-8 if you scored it for Delidze, was the one was the one round where Delidze had that blitz. Yes. Went for the knee bar, and, you know, he had he probably did his best work in that round. He still got struck, outstruck two to one in that round. Yeah, anytime they were in open space, he got outstruck, and anytime... Yeah. Like they they instantly got into the clinch. He got outstruck. I think I'm. I, I would be honestly with that card. I'm more mad at the idea of not giving Imovov a ten eight round one than I am with the oh, potential yeah. scoring a ten a ten eight round four for Delidzi. Like, okay, I can see there's a vibe out there where you could you know even as one of our viewers has just mentioned. Sub attempt maybe gets to Lindsay round four. Okay, like I can see there's a, t- a four a fourth round vibe for the Lindsay. You do the ten eight there, but you got if you're doing it, but you got to do the ten eight round one for Imovov. He had the Lindsay nearly out. Yeah, you know it's it's a classic ten eight round. Yeah, and, unless, unless it's like you know 2013. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then your last card, 48-46, it's just the card you and I both had, but once again, not giving a 10-8 round one for to Nasadine Imovov, which I don't understand that. I think you got to give that 10-8 round one. Yeah, especially considering Delidze really didn't do much. Yeah, like Imovov, not only did he have a knockdown, and I know significant strikes don't tell the whole story, but he outlanded Delidzi 51 to 8 hmm. for significant strikes. Yeah. 69 to 8. Yeah. For that's near that's 9 to 1. That is called a 10-8 round. Yeah. And Zane. And he had that fucking arm bar at the end of the round. Right? Like, Delizzi ended that round 
almost getting his arm snapped on top of getting battered, battered. Yeah, it's uh, a ten, it is as ten eight to ten eight. So the fact that two judges did not give round one a ten eight, that to me is more egregious than giving Delizzi a ten eight round four. Honestly, I'm not surprised. Not because of it's MMA judging, but look at the scorecards earlier in the night. I thought there were some questionable, some questionable scoring in on the early early on the prelims. Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll get into that. I'm. I'm not I didn't see anything I thought was egregious, but it was definitely eh, you know. I don't know. That uh that Madero's Quinones fight was Yeah. Yeah. I I definitely I, I believe I scored that one for Quinones. Yeah, everybody did. <laughs> Except yeah. for those judges. And and you know, maybe Madero's corner. Let me uh, pull up MMA decisions here on that one. <laughs> Canonis Medeiros. Not to throw us way off track. Here. Hey, no, 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 no. It was actually media scores were 50 50. Mm. I certainly scored it for Canonis, as did you, but it was 50 50. Eh. I, I definitely, you know, stats wise, thought that Canonez deserved to snag a couple of rounds of that fight, but I just, you know, anyway, neither here nor there at the moment. Let's, let's go ahead and, uh, oh yeah. What do you think? What do you think of Imovov calling out Sean Strickland after the fight? Um, smart. Because, uh, you know, as high as it's been, and I think it's the worst possible rematch I could ever see Sean Strickland in. Of everybody, Sean Strickland could fight again. That's like the last one I want to see him fight. Um, you got to put him in there with Chris Curtis. Like, come on, you got to redo that, right? Yeah, I, I guess. I, I mean, as as uh, you know, we got we got somebody agreeing with you. I I part of me felt like I walked away from that Chris Curtis fight being like I can see where that fight was going and I don't really need to see Chris Curtis in that again. Um but the amount of bad blood they still clearly have over it, it does kind of feel like yeah, you got to do that again. Like what else is like there there is not a situation more interesting for Imovov to Yeah. Be yeah, uh, the, the Strickland fight just went against him instantly and doesn't feel like it would go a lot different on a replay. I was going to say he just needs to get away from extreme couture, but he called out Sean Strickland again, so I guess he wants to keep fighting that camp. Yeah. Otherwise, you know, I guess there's something like the winner of Hermanson Pfeiffer or uh, let's see, trying to who else is out there? Everybody's kind of booked right now. You got Whitaker and Paulo Costa about to fight. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That, that that's out there too. And we got the uh, Paul Craig Kyle Bahio. Especially if Bahio won that fight, you could do. Well, no, wait, no, didn't Imovov? No, he didn't. Okay, yeah, yeah. For some reason. I was almost thinking he already fought Bahia, but that was You're thinking of, uh, what's his face? Mahmoud Muradov, probably. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, otherwise, I mean, because Delidzi was ranked eighth. He's ranked higher than Hamzad Shemaev. I guess you could do him above Shemaev. Sure, I guess. I mean, yeah. Chris Curtis, you got to do Chris Curtis. Like, yeah, seems just fun. Like everything else seems like a waste. Yeah, I can, I can see it for Delidzi. Uh, Run it back. Just give. As somebody else said, just make Roman Delidzi fight. Like every every single middleweight should have to fight Roman Delidzi at least once. Honestly, you said Paul Craig is fighting who? He is fighting uh, Kyle Bahia. How was that booked? What? Yeah, I don't know. A weird booking. It so, is. 
when Paul Craig loses that, he should fight Delizze. That's sure. The, that's what I want to say. Or there's Anthony Hernandez, Roman Kapalov out there. I would watch the winner of that fight, Delizze, too. Or the loser. Or the loser. Just somebody out of that fight. Yeah. Chaos. Doesn't matter. Everybody fight the Lindsay at least once. <laughs> All right. Uh, before that, Hanato Moicano, Drew Dober. Hold on. Let's let's start again. The okay. People's Main Event. The People's Main Event. Yes. <laughs> Hanato Moicano, Drew Dober, and uh, yeah, this fight was great. Mm-hmm. Really, really thought. Drew Dober might just pull this one out. And at the same time, I also thought that Moicano might have won every single round. Absolutely. They could have gone either way. This was this yeah. was perfect. This was so I figured either guy was either was gonna find a finish in the first round, whether it be Mo- Moicano catching a sub or Dober getting his knockout. Mm-hmm. Um but that didn't happen. But this this kind of felt just as great. Just watching them battle mm-hmm. back and forth, and each guy having their moments, and it was and, a and weird. Kind of, it turned out to be a, a fucking war. Yeah, they kind of played out the dynamic of the fight in every single round. Yeah, where it's just like Dober gets a minute to be on his feet and is absolutely crushing Moicano, and then Moicano gets that body lock trip takedown. And is absolutely working Dober on the ground. And somehow, you know, either he was able to, like, finish them around there or they at that point where Dober was able to, like, scramble out and get back and start landing big shots on Moicano again. And it was just – we got to see the a, a really fun style clash. And it was just – it was fun all the way through. It was great. This should have been the main event. Hindsight, yeah. it should have been at least five rounds. Yeah, Moicano and Dober are both ranked. Imabov and Delizia are both ranked. If you're if you've got like if you're looking at these two fights and be like, what's automatically going to be a cooler fight? Moicano Dober was clearly 100%. the cooler fight. I loved it. And and I picked Moicano here. This was it's a coin toss, so it was like yeah. who's gonna who's gonna be first to get what they wanted. And ultimately, I decided that somehow, some way, that fight's going to hit the ground and Moicano is going to win. And yeah, it, it was one of those fights where either guy could have bulldozed the other out in a second. Like, Dover could either charge out and just absolutely crush Moicano the way that Fiziev or uh, Korean Zombie did. Or Moicano could go out there and body lock Dober and wrestle him to the ground and choke him out the way that, you know, other people have done to Drew Dober over the years. It, but and the I, thing. Well, I, I've ultimately, I felt like Moicano's the smarter fighter, right? Well, he, he, yeah, he's the guy who changes more. He can, he can adapt to more. Dober is going to come at you with one thing that Drew Dober does. He's going to punch you really hard in the head. And if you can change that dynamic up at all, you can get him into a fight that he doesn't necessarily win. Right. And Moicano makes those adjustments. Yes. In point, that lateral drop, that dope was gorgeous the first time. The second time, Moicano made the perfect adjustment, hit that little long belly, like, nah, nah, nah. Took top position, and that's what won him that third round and the fight. Yes. So it was that fight cue was just that was beautiful. It was like you fool me once kind of thing. I, I thought it was a great, awesome yeah. fight. His post fight, his dad is like sixty something, still <laughs> getting getting women pregnant out here. Look at him go. He's about to be a brother. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. He's got to. You know what? Stick to the stick to the kids. Stick to keeping up with your dad. Please don't go – look, move to America if you want, Moicano, but we don't need more MMA cops, okay? Leave that to Johnny Hendricks. Leave that to uh, – oh, who is the – Jimmy Rivera. Jimmy, Jimmy Rivera, yeah. There's plenty of them. There's, There's plenty of them. We, we don't need more of that. But uh, as for the idea of, Dan, of Hanato Moicano versus Dan Hooker – Oof. Yeah, that, I, that is ooh. <laughs> I would love to see that fight. That's intoxicating. That would be a great fight. It feels perfect. 
both dudes are absolutely just down to go to war. It needs to be a five rounder too. Yes. Yeah. It's gotta be. Gotta be. And Might it's, for me to, it's really hard for me to see the UFC putting those two guys in a main event, but mm, mm. I mean, they just, they need to, we've seen more fighters get five round fights into their contracts out there. Like Dustin Poirier versus uh, Benoit Saint-Denis. I think that's a five round fight. Is it? I think, let me see. Uh, UFC 299. Oh, um, the topology. I need topology. Well, that's not the main event, right? No, it's the co-main. There's a title on the line there. Is that the Sean yeah. O'Malley card? It is five. Yeah, it's the Sean O'Malley Marlon Vera card. It's the co-main to that Poirier Benoit Saint Denis, and it's a five-round fight. No belt, no nothing. It's just a badass fight that needs to be five rounds. Moicano Hooker. Moicano Hooker, that's got to be five rounds. We just saw this last week, too, where uh, what was with um, Ivlov Allen, that yeah. should have been a five-round fight. 100%. You know? Yeah. So. We got to stop. Like, let's actually – Take away some of these heavyweight main events as yeah. some of these middleweight light heavy. Let's make them three. Yeah. And let's get these. <laughs> this this fight. Uh, these five rounders. Imavov versus Delidzi. This did not need to be five rounds. Like they had to take the second round of this fight off because the first round was so trying. Like. We did not need four more rounds or three more rounds after a dead second round. And I knew that was going to happen. I knew they were both going to peter out and just yeah. get ass tired in the championship rounds. I smelled it coming a mile away. And yeah. Couldn't avoid it. And it just got sloppier. It got sloppy to the point that we got, you know, a brutal foul. And, just... and it was coming off of Moicano Dober. Yeah. And so it was like extra salty. Mm-hmm. It's like they should have been swapped. They should have. All right. Uh, sucks for Drew Dober to take a loss. But, hey, at least, you know, it wasn't a knockout loss like that Matt Frivola one. And then uh, I'm just down to see this dude scrap with anybody. So, you know, flip it around. Who's who's the next up-and-coming lightweight that is just always throws down and is fun for an action fight? But maybe – is Jalen Turner? Is Jalen Turner actually booked? No, he is ranked. He's ranked higher than Dan Hooker, though. So that would be a little bit of a slap in the face. Otherwise, yeah, but Dober deserves it, right? Sure, sure. I mean, I I would say we do Drew Dober, Patty Pimblet, right? Well, anybody would want that, but that ain't happening. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that ain't happening. Yeah. Fine. Fine. You get that hardcore talk out of here. Okay. Okay. But I'm just saying, you know, find find some other dude anywhere on the card that's got like a good record that's coming up that loves to scrap and get him in there with Drew Dober. All right. Uh, before that, well, to wait about Randy Brown. Muslim Salikov and going into the initially when this fight was first booked, I was like, oh, maybe Salikov can win this. I don't know. I know. I started the closer it got to the fight, the more I was like, is Randy Brown about to get knocked out? Because it's just yeah. like these guys are gonna get the exact range and style they want. They both like to to be out in middle distance, trying at creative stuff, trying to, you know, Flow. set up perfect strikes, all that. Yeah. And, oh, yeah, that's actually a good shout here. Ismail, Drew Dober versus Ismail Bonfim. I would definitely watch that fight. Yeah. Dynamite. But um, so I was like, maybe Muslim Salkov, he can lull Brown into that fight and find just the right strike. And then I was like, no, no, no. Brown, is he's too tall. His output is like double Salikovs. He's just going to win. 
I'm picking him. And then like we're a minute into the fight, and I'm like, oh, I don't two minutes into the fight, and I'm like, oh, maybe I screwed up. Because yeah. Salikov's looking, he's looking sharp. Brown is totally getting drawn into this slow-paced one shot at a time fight. Eating those calf kicks. Yep. And then he just dropped a hammer on Salikov. Man, that was so smooth and so clean. Just a jab, jab, cross. Ooh, from the way he stepped out with it. Mm-hmm. Just silky smooth. I don't think you can throw or land a cleaner punch. Brown is so clean, it almost looked like a phantom punch. Brown is one of those dudes that he he lands shots where I'm just like, and he has the size and he lands shots with the fluidity where I'm just like, you should just do this every single time. Like, you should be, every single fight, you should just be able to go out there and win with like a jab, jab, cross. Because you can hit it from 10 feet away at a speed that most people just aren't ready for. But he has to flow into it. Yeah, yeah. He has yeah. to comfortably flow into it. Yeah. That's the thing. And that takes time to get that rhythm down because everyone's different, right? Everyone you fight. Well, and he also just, he really is a fighter who loves to try and set up the perfect thing. You know, he's not just out there being like, well, what if I just pump my jab out there a bunch and, sure. you know, get my kicks going, throw right. a bunch of teeps, get, you know, make it annoying for somebody to have to bridge that distance. He's usually like, Oh, I landed the jab and the cross. Well, what if I just flow and like, you know, try and set up some other cool up elbow or like a, you know, spinning back kick or something. And then suddenly he's getting crushed by Jack Della Maddalena. It's like, what if I just walk into you with hooks? You know? Yeah. What are you going to do then? But real pretty win for Randy Brown. Called for a step up in the middleweight division. Um, Michael Chiesa is what he called for. Did, yeah, do you call for Michael Chiesa? Sure. Renat Fakhradinov is coming off a draw, too. Uh, away from him. <laughs> That's such a tough fight, man. Neil Magny just picked up that Mike Malott. I'll show. I'll remind everybody who Neil Magny is out there. Like, he is still the litmus litmus test of are you actually as good as you think you are? Randy Brown says he's a top ten fighter. Neil Magny will tell you if you're a top ten fighter or not. You know? I like that matchup. Yeah. That might be the move. Yeah. So, real impressive. making themselves, man. This is fantastic. Yeah. I, I uh, Good thing the UFC matchmakers listen to this show cl- as close as possible. Exactly. Yeah, no. I get, I get texts from, uh, you know, McMaynard all the time. Mostly like... I'm surprised you haven't blocked him. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, mostly he's just like, I love your work. I love everything you do. Bloody Elbow is great. I've never had a complaint about Bloody Elbow ever. Autograph me a photo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sorry, Mick. A little too big time over here. <laughs> I know. We can see the printer back there, man. <laughs> <laughs> I think, sweet. Is that a cannon? It's a, no, it's a brother. That's If you want to buy a printer, I free ad... For, send me a check, brother. Printers. <laughs> if you want to buy a printer, get yourself one of these brother uh, MFC printers. It's got a scanner built into it, too. And it's a toner printer. So it's only black and white. Okay. But it will... I don't see the, colors in toner cartridge. Yeah, no, I know. You're, you're a man of the people, Eddie. Um... <laughs> But these toner cartridges too will like last you a couple of years. Is it is it also a facsimile machine? Uh you know, it probably maybe I don't know who who faxes anything anymore. <laughs> I don't know. But yes. Anyway, that's a free ad. Brother the M, the sixth round post fight show now sponsored by Brother Printers. That's right. Cutting that Send me a check. <laughs> uh for that. Got the brutal no con. Oh, no, we had Natalia Silva. Women's flyweight by Natalia Silva, Vivi Araujo. And um, Araujo had, she had all the right ideas or the one right idea, which was just to try and wrestle Natalia Silva and get her down and get her back and stay on her. But Silva's just too goddamn fast. Uh, she had that Roman Delizzi game plan. Yeah. 
it's not pretty, but I mean, Natalia Silva is so fast that I can't really knock anybody in that division for being like, I can't, I can't figure this person out just by standing in front of them. I'm not trying to hear that shit, Zane. I ate. You cut the cage off. You kicked the legs and immobilized. No, I'm trying to hear Vivi that. Araja doesn't have any of that footwork. She doesn't. Yeah, I'm not trying to hear that, man. Like, she does. But to be fair, though, Silva does have that Leoto Machida kind of um, matador skill set to strike off the back foot and then quickly dart, change directions, and come multiply forces and, and really catch you by surprise. She's just really goddamn fast. Yeah. Just, you know, she is a top 1% athlete in that division. I don't know if she has the full skill set to be like champ or anything like that, but she will probably fight for a belt at some point in the not too distant future, just being that ridiculously blazingly fast. Yeah. Um, Arajo, she, I mean, she did well with controlling for as long as she did. Yeah, to, but it was it was it was so controlling to the point of um, referee interventions. The referee mm-hmm. actually had to step in and separate them on a few occasions, just yeah. because nothing was going on. Yeah, it wasn't a pretty tactic. I can just see why. Not not ha- well, I can see how not having the footwork because other people, somebody else mentioned it in our uh, ch- in our chat too. Like, oh yeah, she you know. Araujo's just kind of a dead duck here because she doesn't, she, she can't cut the cage off. And it's just like, yeah, no, she's, her game is all about trying to plant and throw or plant and shoot. And is she just kind of has to sit down and hope that nothing's coming at her because she's going to be right there on a straight line. Yeah. I mean, that's tough. To, that's a tough style to deal with for sure. Yeah. And it didn't. I didn't see her flagging at all. It didn't seem no. like she was slowing down or getting tired. So I, I'm, I don't see why she couldn't do that for five rounds. Yeah. Yeah. Really, really. You know, solid performance, solid showing for Natalia yeah. Silva. And happy birthday to Nat Silva. By yeah. the way. She um, is now probably still young enough to make me feel incredibly old. She's 27. Okay. Yeah. That's actually that's getting old enough that this, you're like almost starting to have to deal with adult problems by the end of your twenties. <laughs> sure, Zane. Like you're you're nearly getting to the point that maybe you don't have roommates. Maybe you're you know pay maybe getting off your parents' insurance and paying your own yeah, taxes. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, own insurance off the general. Yeah, switching to Geico or something. Yeah. Uh, let's see who, so who's out there next for her Silva? She, let's see, rankings, women's flyweight. She's now ninth, although Araja was seventh. So she's now a top 10 clear, cleanly top 10. Somebody mentioned Barber, Macy Barber, Macy Barber's yeah, currently set to fight. She's booked. Got, yeah. She's set to fight Caitlin Chukagian. Um, so and, maybe the winner of that. Yeah, because I mean, you've got that. You've got Blanchfield Fioro, which is going to be your next title contender for Grasso coming out of that. So Chukagian Barber, she could fight the winner of that, or Tracy Cortez just came off a real good win. If she's willing to, you know, take a small step back, Cortez is just ranked tenth right now. And uh, then you got uh, Amanda, Amanda Nunes versus or Amanda Hibash versus Rose Nami Yunus. So the winner of that out there too. That's interesting. Yeah. Mm. Sure. Yeah, few good options out there for Barbara for Araja rather. I mean, I think if it's going to be just a fight right now, I would say the Tracy Cortez fight. But otherwise, Rebus Nami Yunus winner or Chikagian Barbara winner are both both rock solid. All right. Now we get to Ali Ashkab Kizriev versus Mahmoud Muradov. Uh, fight of the night. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, just brutal. Just a brutal 11 second eye poke. We got nothing out of it. You might as well let Muradov heal up and then rebook it, honestly, just because 
Yeah, you have to. I was really excited for this one because I know what Muradov is capable of, and he's got some nasty hands if he would just apply himself. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking maybe we could get him applying himself here, um, or we'll see a prospect uh, do his thing. Either way, it was going to be great. Yeah, I, I was talking about it on the Vivian. Muradov is a guy that I think, like, there is a version of him that should contend for a UFC title, and I don't know that he will ever get close at all. But it's all just, like, application and a- aggression within himself. He's clearly a great athlete. He has had a lot of great training. He's got the skills and the speed that he needs to be a great talent, but you'll see him go out and dominate somebody for a round. And then he just wants them to like be cowed and go away. And so you get like Gerald Mearshart, you know, stepping on the gas and being like, I'm just going to out punch you. And it's like, that should never be happening to you. You know, you are, you are letting that fight get brought to yourself through your unwillingness to continue taking a fight to Gerald Mearshart. You know? Yeah, he has the skills. You've He's got the smart. skills. He is. Maybe He's... it's a confidence thing. Yeah. And that is the that's one of the worst divisions to lack confidence. You really got to you got to run on the accelerator in those heavier divisions. Yeah. You can, you got to. The, a lot of those dudes are you know, strong enough and big enough road dog kind of guys that they're there to be like, oh, you know, you didn't, you didn't finish me. I am going to, I trust that I can just come back and and make something happen. Yeah. And not be gun shy about it. Yeah. So it sucks. So yeah, I mean, I definitely think you got to rebook this fight, make it happen again. Pretty clear. All right. That, Brings us, speaking of confidence issues, Charles, Charles, Char, Chuck Buffalo, Charles Radke, Gilbert Urbina. <laughs> and this is, I think, almost everybody was picking Urbina in yeah. this fight. Yeah. And he got out there and ate about one hook and was just like, mmm. No, no, <laughs> I don't want it. And he, because he, he's a tall dude, but he only fights tall. He does not know how to fight long. And this was the clear example of him realizing he had to fight long, that he had to keep Radke away from him if he was going to win. He didn't know how to do it. So he just let Radke walk into him and land hooks over and over and over again. And it, man, he got slept. Like they called it a TKO. Mm-mm. He got knocked out. Yeah, that was gorgeous. <laughs> it was. That was some some gorgeous hooking going on by Radke. Yeah, and he didn't get all homophobic this time. So big win for Radke. <laughs> uh, well, he's not in Australia. I think. Yeah, apparently down under. I think he only gets apparently Australia. Well, you know what it is. It's just the whole like it's the whole the hemisphere taxes? thing. The what? The whole hemisphere thing. It's just you know, it's like the water running backwards and yeah, all that. Exactly. It just confuses yeah. him. Well, I was gonna say the taxes, but yeah, that too. That too. Yeah. <laughs> it's Australian taxes, man. Uh yeah, but big big win for Radke here. I'll admit, I did not think that this was a dude that would be winning any fights in the UFC when he got signed. Just kind of a messy brawler regionally, but he's got some power and he's got a clean left hook and he's clearly put a scare into Gilbert Urbina out there. Yeah. He gives me a Mike Perry feel. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't Real be surprised Mike Perry, Mike. if this guy goes off the bare knuckle and do some things. Yeah. Or, you know, Stab somebody in a bar somewhere. Sure, sure. <laughs> in prison. I don't know. Yeah. 50-50. All right. That brings us to a women's strawweight bout. Shocker of the night. Shocker of the night. Molly McCann, Diana Belbita. Hey, yeah, why the hell did they book this fight twice? Um, 
<laughs> like Belbita got she got 30-26 the last time they fought. It was a point deduction for holding the fence. But it was like no, she got 30-25 actually mm. the last time they met. So she got absolutely run out the building and the UFC was like man we gotta run that one back what's crazy is she was a bigger favorite the first time they fought McCann? yeah like somehow they were like oh she's less likely to whoop that ass this time Mm -mm. Um, maybe it was a McCann thing it's kind of a a matchup for her well and it like She's got a fan base that is really, really delusional. Um, just crazy in the belief that both Molly McCann and Patty Pimblett could be title contenders someday. So they really took like a great deal of shock out of McCann getting armbarred by Julia Stoliarenko. I thought a bunch of people when I was running our Twitter account, come back and be like, it's so impressive that Molly McCann went out there and after losing via arm bar, like she went out there and she learned how to grapple and she came back and she arm barred. It's like, Diana Belbita is just bad. This is no, like, this is a purely levels question. This is not like Molly. Are you implying that seven months is not enough time to learn jujitsu? What? Well, I mean, maybe when maybe when you're a pinnacle athlete like Molly McCann, my is. Rev Gear shirt disagrees with you. All you gotta oh, do okay. is buy the shirt, Zane, and obviously the jujitsu you know, just comes right you're back. You're gonna it. be hitting buzzer beating arm bars in the UFC, and that's cool as a motherfucker. Yeah, that was her hitting that arm bar. Ooh. That was cool, and she snapped it too. It was yeah. one of those like it was not the GSP. I'm bending your arm, and I would like you to tap because sure. I don't want to hurt anybody. That nice was guy. Near, I'm taking yeah. this at home, kind of. Yeah, that was very much a the arm is breaking. You should tap before that happens because I'm. She not didn't even stop. have to do it too. That nope. was dang. Like she wanted it. Yep. I love seeing that, and that's the thing is like. Like you see a knockout artist who learns submissions and then they attack submissions the same way they go for knockouts. I fucking love that. This was, this was awesome. This was a great McCann looked as great as she's ever looked ever. And like you were saying, it's the level of opposition, but somebody is trying to now get hyped as Molly McCann, a different animal at 150. I'm sorry. She beat Diana Belbita. This is like the lowest end of straw weight. Let's, she let's look. Hold on, physically, she looked great. Sure, she serious. The things she was saying in her post fight interview sounded focused. Sure, um, but is she actually a pinnacle athlete suddenly in that division? I well, a- athlete, absolutely. No, athletically, she's got the horsepower to fuck with. She's got strong. She's got strength, but like speed or like footwork and agility. It's just strength. It's like when you're looking at Priscilla Cachoeira and being like, "Man, she's got the horsepower. Is she a contender at at flyweight now?" No, no. Mm, Yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah, horsepower is one thing, but like, I am not. We need like three or four people or three or four wins that are of increasing difficulty before Molly McCann beating the absolute worst bantamweight on the roster gets me like starting, you know, firing up the hype train engine here, shoveling the coal. Come on. I feel you. It's fun though. It it is fun. She's a fun, she's a fun personality. She's got a hyped fan base that loves to get behind her. I don't hate her. You know who the perfect fight is now. You want the rubber to meet the road? The perfect fight? Jillian Robertson. Yeah, sure. Yeah. You armbar motherfuckers? You go for Jillian Robertson and see how good that armbar game got. Yeah. Or somebody else you suggest, you know, Verna Janjaroba. Sure, like let's go. Let's that's a big step up though. She's ranked number five. 
Well, but but we're talking Molly McCann, future title contender, you know? I'm saying it started number 15, and if you could pass that. She's 33. We got to get the, you know, we got to get this title town. We got to get her title town in a hurry here. No, I, but yes. Great. She looked great. Jillian Robertson would be a good matchup. Yeah. If that's not a fight, she's already lost. She is a fight. She's already lost. Okay. She lost that fight in 2018. To what? Robertson? They they fought. Fuck. Yeah. No way. Yeah. She already got subbed by Jillian Robertson. Yeah. That was at Flyweight. Yeah. So they can run it back. It's sure. perfect. It's actually perfect. We can we can we can find out if Molly McCann is really a different beast against another flyweight who is now down at straw weight trying to prove that she's something different, even though she can't punch. I'm, so. I'm actually excited for this rematch now. All right. It might not even happen. All right. That brings us to a flyweight bout. Charles Johnson, Azat Moxham. And uh, you know what? I'm really happy for Charles Johnson here. I'm happy for whoever picked him up in those live odds in that second round. Yeah, um, yeah. Shout out to you. <laughs> I, I, I almost thought, like, I didn't see the stats. And I looking at the stats now, I'm like, what was I watching? I don't know. Who knows? Maybe I was blinded. Maybe I was doing three other things. I almost thought Maxim might have taken that second round from the judges and saw several other people score it for him as well. Um, but all things considered, and considering where the fight ended up, I am very happy to see Charles Johnson get this win because he has been a clear quality, can he can hang with anybody level flyweight who just has a lot of trouble getting to wins. He starts so slow and is so such a reactive fighter who has to key off of what his opponent is doing. It's really hard for him to gain to to get the momentum to to win fights at this level. Well, yeah, like what is his? I don't even know what if you were if you asked me right now, like what's his style? I wouldn't know what to say. Like it depends on yeah. what stage of the fight you're talking about. Yeah, is he yeah. the clinch grappler? Is he this kickbo- Muay Thai kickboxer? I don't fucking know. I He's definitely know. got this sort of walk forward Muay Thai style where he wants to be tall and walking in with kicks and punches, clinching up and doing stuff. But early on, like he let he waits and he lets people come to him and push him backwards. And so he can get caught off guard with takedowns early in fights. He can get out punched and beat to the punch early in fights. And as he finds his rhythm, he gets cleaner and tighter with it all. But it takes time, and I figured Maxim would have the technique to just kind of find the gas and stay on it, but Johnson got really slick as this fight went on. Like, mm-hmm. he really – Maxim kept throwing, but he he kept he just started missing everything. Johnson was just slipping and countering all the offense out there. I mean, I, let me go back and look at the stats here. Yeah, he started stuffing the takedowns. He starts stuffing the takedown. Well, yeah, Maxim's not really a takedown artist, so that was good to see Johnson not get caught up in that game. But the big thing was that, like, after round one, he Ma- Maxim landed nine of fifty-one strikes in round two. Like, he landed seventeen percent of his strikes. In round three, 14 of 62. And people still gave him that second round? Yeah, like I said, I don't know. Even I thought, like, maybe he, he might have squeaked it out somehow. But I don't – I might have been blind. I'm not going to – I'm not going to say, like – I'm not going to say that I, I was making a good mo- read there. I might have I, – I just – I was shocked that it was such a one-sided striking round when I saw the stats. But a lot of that might have been just because Maxim was missing so much stuff in tight, scrappy exchanges that I thought was landing. But Johnson just, like, he got Maxim missing everything as this fight went on. He doesn't fight like a flyweight. Johnson? Yeah, he just No. He, he's part of the, the whole run that the UFC has had where they're, they're picking up skinny bantamweights who just don't have the power to be bantamweights. And so they're like 5'8", 5'7", 5'9". 
and they fight. They they don't fight like flyweights. This was a uh, this was a big betting upset. I yeah. think this was one of Minty Betts, one of her picks. If you know who that is, like yeah, the industry plant for. She's the new Yanni the Greek. She's the Yanni the Greek that actually wins bets, and not, like not this year. Not no. Is she on a bad roll this year? I think so. All right, because Yanni, I mean, he missed literally every single bet on a season of the Contender series, whole season. It's, honestly, it's tough to pick fights. Like it's it like, is. You know, this is better than it is. It's, it it's is. really extremely hard to pick fights. Even tougher to to gamble on them or. Tell people. Yeah, well, especially because a lot of it is then, you know, gamblers get into the picking the over and the under, picking the right. finish, yeah, all that kind of stuff. But, uh, yeah, it, uh, it was a, uh, yeah, I, I'm glad to see Johnson get this win, honestly, because he's, he's hung around and he's been competitive with some really talented fighters in the UFC. And it keeps feeling like he should, you know, like he outstruck Rafael Estevam 72 to 18 in his last fight, but he got taken down and controlled in every single round and except the last one. So he didn't win that decision. He had good moments against Cody Durden and Ode Osborne, but he just keeps falling behind to these guys. So. He and he and Mahmoud Muradov both landed twelve strikes over three rounds, but he also got taken down twelve times. Yeah. Anyway. All right. That brings us to a the my shock of the night, probably everybody's shock of the night. Samba mm. Garimbo. Really. He, you, you thought Demba Garimbo was going to knock somebody out? I thought he was going to win. I mean, picking him to win is fine. But Demba Garimbo by first round knockout, I don't think that was on anybody's anybody's card. No, but I do I, I do expect big things from him. Do you? Yeah, dude. He's, he's ridiculous, man. This dude's nasty. He's not fucking around. I don't know. I mean, he's... To me, he's a wrestler-grappler whose wrestling and grappling is not good. But he is certainly so full of self-belief that you could, you know, if anybody is going to be powered by pure will to to big things, apparently it's Themba Garimbo. Yeah, he's uh, he's got backing. He's got uh, he's got a machine behind him. Yeah, that's true. I he mean, has a machine behind he, him. He's part of the rock universe now. I'm being dead ass serious. He has a he has a plan. He has an agenda. And if he goes out there and he's fighting like that, like I don't know. I don't know if he's on with the rocks on or what. You saw this going. I don't know what the fuck. Like, <laughs> if, if the guy that showed up tonight is the guy that shows up next time, like holy shit. Like he willfully just went out there and brawled with a brick shit house. Yeah. Like he went out there and beat someone at their own game whose game is just come out and just blow through people. Yeah. Well, you know, Pete Rodriguez is super, super raw himself. I'm not going to like. Sure. Takashi Sato and Pete Rodriguez are not the kind of wins to make me think that Garimbo is going to skyrocket up the division, but. It's already more than I thought he would do. So I, I feel like we just had the same conversation with uh, what's his face. Oh, uh, with Marcus McGee. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but Marcus McGee has like skills that he does. Simba yeah. Garimbo is just powered by crazy will. I mean, well, he's got the he's got the middleweight light heavyweight swag at one seven. Th- this dude lost to AJ Fletcher, giving up a ten inch reach advantage. 10 inches, you know? Hey, UFC debuts are rough, my man. They are. I'm not, but I'm just saying, like, Themba Garimbo is, he's, he's fun. I hope he does well. But I'm I'm going to be surprised for every win he gets until he really starts and making then a big And then he'll jump on the bandwagon. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm that guy. 
Did you not see the letter he was reading before he went in there? Yeah, that so was... he got the script, Zane. He got the, that's true. That's true. He got the script. Pete Rodriguez did not get the script. I'm telling you, there's a machine behind him. I'm not <laughs> saying, but I'm saying. All right. All right. That brings us to a featherweight bout. Lee Young Young Lee Jung Young against Blake Builder. And uh this is this was kind of a shockingly bad loss for Blake Builder, honestly. Like he got dominated. He got dominated, and you know what? Lee Jung Young showed up and looked dangerous. So all credit to him. Mm. But that knee, that knee on that clinch break. Yeah. <laughs> shook Builder up bad. Jose Aldo is somewhere smiling after mm-hmm. that. That and- was gorgeous. I, but I kind of thought this was like a, you know, this was a fight builder should have had the skills to take. And he just didn't look like he had, he, he didn't, he spent like two minutes just pressing Lee straight into the cage, not moving, not changing the angle on the shot, not doing anything to improve the takedown that he was working on. That was, that might be the underlying theme of the night. His lame-ass yeah. wall install tactics that didn't pan and it, and it just feels like, you know, I, I kind of felt like Blake Builder was a dude who had the skills to be good but was coasting on athletic talent because he thought he could. This looked like a fight where you just – the depth isn't there. You, the skills aren't there. You're faced with another good athlete, and you're just mashing into him, trying and hoping that pushing this guy is going to be enough to get it done. And he just got run out the building. We looked like he was having so much fun out there doing it. Yeah. He was smiling the whole time, kind of just doing whatever he wanted. Yeah. So really bad, bad. The biggest biggest surprise is, is that builder didn't get finished. Sure. Sure. He's, he's tough and he's got, you know, he's tough and he's strong and all that. But yeah, this was just, Lee looked great. Builder looked totally flat. And Builder was not in the building. No. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, a lot of good fun fights for Lee in that division right now. You know, go turn around and fight somebody like David Onama or Melsic Bogdasarian or, you know. Nate uh, Hmm? Nate Landwehr. Yeah, Nate Landwehr. Jose Mariscal just got a super fun win, you know? Like, there's a lot of fun stuff in that division for him. For Builder, like, maybe the UFC gives him another shot, but he's 33, and this was sort of your, oh, you need to win this to be somebody. And at this point, he's just kind of clinging on if he's still in there. All right, uh... For that, Luana Carolina, Julia Stoliarenko, and uh, Stoliarenko only has two kinds of fights. This was the second one. It's either <laughs> I armbar you in two minutes or I get my ass beat. And uh, she did not armbar Luana Carolina inside the first round, despite very nearly the bell saved by the bell for Luana Carolina. But that was it. Well, no. Also, let's not forget um, late in the third round when Luana Carolina was like, you know what? You're not tired enough for me to finish you. So let me just throw myself and do a couple submission oh, attempts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Legs out a little bit. We'll go from the triangle to the arm bar, back to the triangle. And then I'm just going to stand up because jujitsu doesn't work. And then I'm going to beat the shit out of you. <laughs> yeah. And that's what happened. Yeah. It was the. It was like a fucking awesome sequence it was it was a it, it was a goofy fun <laughs> fight just because Stoliarenko is such an everything is either working for me perfectly or everything is going so wrong that i am not i don't even look like i fight for a living right you, you know the, those are the only two settings she has is you see her hit some like slick trait trip takedown right into an arm bar where you're like damn that was super fluid just over and done or you see her get punched and like stumble lean halfway across the octagon 
and then try to throw a, a hook that lands her square on her face because she's so off balance that you're like, do you do you train in your free time? Like, nah, man, she would have run shopping like UFC four, right? Sure, sure, like yeah. Nineties UFC, all yeah. But she yeah. just doesn't look like she trains MMA. She looks like a no. pure submission grappler who just so happens to be in an MMA fight. Yeah. Which I know I, is not the case, but it's just what it looks like. Hey, you know, Ben Askren vibes out there without yeah. the wrestling. Yeah, Ben Askren vibes. Um, but man, Carolina, I cannot believe she put herself in those submissions. It was uh, on her own volition. She's the one that got the takedown. She's the yeah. one that put herself there. That was wild. She she's a, she is one of those fighters that is for how she's lucky she is as tough as she is for how sloppy she fights because like she puts herself in some real risks that you're like everybody must be beating her and then you go and you look at her record and it's like oh, oh she actually right wins it's most like, of the time everyone on paper it looks like she should be losing these fights but she shows up and she yeah. just gets it done. Very light heavyweight-ish, the way she yep. talks about it. Um, yeah. But like I was saying, I, I mean, all jokes aside, I don't believe she would have gotten the finish here had she not no. gone into those submissions yeah. and made Stolyarenko, you know, give her last go at those submission attempts. Yeah, yeah, no, Stolyarenko was definitely just done, cooked by the time Luana Carolina t- got the TKO. Yeah. All right. That brings us to a lightweight bout. Markel Medeiros, Landon Quinones, and uh, this is the <clears throat> robbery of the night. <sighs> Quinones got robbed of a win bonus. Statistically, st- statistically here, Quinones uh, only outlanded Medeiros in round one, or Medeiros in round one, statistically. Right, but then we have to go back to optics. And when Quinones was landing, Maderos would stumble back and it looked Yeah. Like when Quinones got hit, he ate rather rather well or so it seemed. Yeah. So for I, me, I gotta I gotta award the heavier looking punches more so than the non the busyness, yeah. Yeah, I really, I feel like the judges really gave Medeiros a lot of credit just for, this was a very, like, uh, you know, classic, um, oh, Diego Sanchez or who was the other, uh, uh, cursed with power, Garcia, Leonard Garcia kind of win, where he's just getting a lot of credit for being the guy going forward and being busy. Sure. And, but yeah, every time Canonas hit Maderos, it just snapped his head back clean. Because Kino- Maderos is doing this, he's got this very kind of Tony Ferguson thing he's working on where he loves to enter the pocket as he switches stances and try and like, you know, shift punch through combinations. Sure. Which is a great technique, by the way. If you're not don't have your head stuck straight online all the time. Otherwise sure. you're, you're kind you're constantly leaving stance and squaring yourself as you enter the pocket as one leg moves past the other. And every time you do that, you is just busting right in the face. And it's just like, Oh, I got to stumble backwards because I was out of footing. I was out of stance. Yeah. It's really hard for me to reward that. Honestly. Yeah. Really hard for me to reward that. And that's the thing is like, I, I really like what Madeiros does out there. And I mm-hmm. like his entries into techniques and out of techniques. Well, not out of them. He does it, leave his chin there. But in his entrances and, and his vision and what he's seeing and the things, his reactions, I like. I just wish he could tie some damage into it. Yeah. I mean, right? he's, he's working the early stages of, like, the Tony Ferguson game. And when Tony Ferguson had his style clicking, sure, it was gorgeous. Yeah. But he took a lot of damage doing it too, and Medeiros is—he's working the kinks out of it. You know, he's trying this very shift-heavy pocket game where he's really trying to throw little combos and shift into harder shots and stuff like that. But while you're doing that, like you are spending so much time right in front of people, yeah. and 
Can it's you, a high risk game. It was, it was it was just a nuts and bolts kind of performance from him. Like he yeah. was just throwing standard, you know, regular jab cross hook combinations, nothing crazy, and it was effective. And it just seemed to be the better work throughout. Yep. So I'm, I think this is a bad decision. I'm going to just say it's a bad. Decision. Fair enough. Fair enough. I I, I scored it for Canones uh, as well. I gave not- all three to Canones, but. Obviously, there was, you know, second round really close. Yeah. I'm not surprised Madero's got it, but I I do think that he, that Canones probably should have deserved it. All right. And that brings us to our first fight of the night, Jamal Pogues, Thomas Peterson, and um, reasonable showing for Pogues. Like, he got taken down once, and then he started stuff, stuffing the single legs, and Peterson didn't really have anything else to go to other than the single leg, so he lost. Uh, yeah, tough tough fight, gritty gritty fight. This this exhausted me, watching those big guys yeah. out there just swinging and, and having this kind of – the grueling clinches and the takedown attempts and watching them breathe heavy. And, but yeah. it's a pose for, for gutting it out and gutting out that eye poke. Mm-hmm. That was pretty gross. It left him with the red spot on the eye. That's always concerning. Um, but yeah, yeah. just a just a, a, a true heavyweight fight here. Classic slop. Yep, classic slop, classic slog. All right. Well, but wait, wait, wait. You know what's next for Pog, Pogues, right? Oh. He, you know he used to fight down at, at middleweight, right? Yeah, yeah. You know who he needs to fight, right? Who? Jake Collier. Oh, he's taking everything he worked for. That's yeah. true. I don't think Jake Collier is in the UFC anymore. Well, they need to bring his ass back for this one fight. Yeah. The former lighter guys. Yeah, he got cut. Damn. After four straight losses. Well, maybe they'll bring RIP Jake Cuddlier. <laughs> Jake the Cape. Yeah. Hey, pull some strings and get him back for one fight. All right, yeah, I'll I'll, I'll get on I'll get on here with uh, with Mick here and be like, <laughs> man, you gotta you gotta bring my boy back for my birthday in October. That's so- right. To access the bonus content of this show, you must be a paid subscriber. To do that, go to bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com and subscribe today. Thank you for tuning in to this Bloody Elbow Podcast production. Subscribe at bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com. Give us your email and receive notifications when your favorite shows drop straight into your inbox. We're also found on a wide variety of podcast outlets. Just search for Bloody Elbow Podcast and you will get new shows throughout the week, including the MMA Bunker and MMA Tete-a-Tete shows with Kid Nate, the Level Change Podcast, the Hey, Not the Face Podcast, the MMA Vivisection main card and prelims UFC preview shows, the sixth round post-fight show, the Show Money podcast, and the MMA depressed us.